the University of Idaho is Idaho's, uh, well, I like to say, constitutionally mandated land grant institution. And, you know, if I can quote my friend, uh, uh, our former interim, interim president, Don Burnett, you know, DRI say state flagship university. Look, man, if you, if you spite the program, you hurt players. If you want the program to get better, it has to be funded. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals, her affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I have Brian Marceau. Hey guys, good to be here. Uh, today, we will be interviewing Mahmoud Sheikh from the University of Idaho's Athletic Department. We're also going to be talking just general housekeeping and how right now is a great time to be a Vandal as so many awesome things are happening uh, happening with the university, even with this COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, today's episode, like every episode, is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. With that, I just want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, and that last part of that ad read, we have said it so many times, but you guys have been awesome, and we check all vandals all the time to make sure we try to cue our discussions on here to stuff that you guys are interested in, the general you know, Joe Vandal fan. And today, to our surprise, there's one about Montucky Cold Snack. So thank you guys for giving them a chance and really supporting them for supporting us. They're Vandal co-founded, so we love it, but the... One thing that stuck out to me is some, some people don't know where to find it. That last part, to find out how to get your ass some snacks, visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today. They have a cold snack finder on there, so plug in your zip code. It will tell you where it is. I, I know it's harder to find, but uh, that's the question I got hit up the most when we first started doing this with them was, well, where can I find it? I'm like, boom, link, zip code. You got like eight spots around you. You just didn't know it, so – Thank you guys for listening and supporting people that are supporting us and Vandal-owned businesses, especially in times like these. We don't say thank you enough, so it's a great time for us to say thank you to you guys, and uh, I'm sure Montucky would like to extend their thanks as well. Uh, anyways, we have an interview with uh, Mahmoud Sheikh from the University of Idaho Athletic Department. Um, Brian and I really touched on a lot of subjects that we thought were all-encompassing of some things people wanted to know. So hopefully you guys think we did a good job. But without further ado, it does go a little long. You probably already saw that when you clicked um, your listen. You're like, whoa. But we promise um, we found it really interesting. So that's kind of why we didn't speed anything up. So hopefully you guys do. Uh, I think there's something in there for everybody. But um, we'll see you guys on the other side. But without further ado, enjoy the interview. Joining us now, born in Colfax, raised in Moscow, Idaho, Mahmoud Sheikh. He earned his bachelor's degree in business marketing from the University of Idaho in 2001 and added a master's degree in 2007 in education, educational leadership. 
He served as the student body president, much like our leader, C. Scott Green. Previously worked with the Idaho Athletics Department for six years, from 2003 to 2008, in various department roles, including assistant athletic director for regional development and assistant athletic director and executive director of Vandal Scholarship Fund. He spent two years at the University of Colorado as the assistant athletic director for annual giving and the Buffs Club. He returned to the University of Idaho in March of 2009 after nearly nine years as the deputy executive director of the Idaho State Board or Idaho State Bar and Idaho Law Foundation. Joining us now in his current role with the Vandals, the associate athletic director for development and executive director of the VSF, Mahmoud Sheikh. Mahmoud, how are you doing today? We're doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. As you can probably tell. Uh, through the bio we read there for you. You've had a lot of titles, and they, to most of us average Joe Vandals out there, we don't know what any of them mean. So let's start with your current one. Uh, what exactly does your role as Associate Athletic Director of Development and the Executive Director of the VSF mean, and, and kind of what do you do? I, I feel extremely lucky. I, I'm, I'm truly fortunate. Uh, rarely do you get the opportunity to, to combine personal passion with professional endeavor, and, and I'm doing such. I get to talk about the Idaho Vandals every day, you know, my love and I get paid for it. So there, there's nothing uh, cooler than that. Right. So um, as far as the, uh, the job uh, itself, it's itself and the titles, every college at the university of Idaho and in various departments, including athletics has a development team and, and our work entails uh, sharing this, the story of our students. In essence, we match the interests and passions of alumni and friends to the university with the needs of our students. So by, by sharing those student stories, we articulate the need. And if we're doing our jobs correctly, we're able to secure philanthropic gifts through relationships that we've developed and by the messagings that we've, we've outlined. Uh, in athletics, our team includes uh, Shelly Robeson, our assistant, associate uh, excuse me, director for development. Shelly's been with the Vandals uh, in uh, athletics uh, since mid-2000. She oversees our efforts in North Idaho, based in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, Desmond Banks is Shelly's counterpart in Southern Idaho. Uh, he is housed in Boise and has been with us since August of 2019. Uh, Eric Anderson is our fundraising administrative coordinator. He's been with us since November. Uh, came to us from the Office of Alumni Relations, the extremely passionate Vandal with uh, great family ties to the university. And then Tim Mooney is our associate athletic director, and he's been with the Vandals since 2008, a, a graduate of the university as well, and uh, spends about 25% of his time on development, and there's myself. So I, I guess kind of layman's term, the more common name for development is fundraising, but it's more than just uh, raising funds. Our, our goal is to build those transformational relationships in, uh, in a manner that they're not uh, – substitute for transactional relationships and in doing such we hope to develop long-term stakeholders to athletics and to the university the, the associate athletic director for development in any uh, university setting you know you're ultimately responsible for all the development efforts in, in your athletic department so plainly i guess you can say uh, the associate athletic director for development is your athletic department's chief fundraising officer and uh, one where you're, you're uh, ultimately responsible for private funds that, that come to uh, to the department. Uh, as far as the additional title, executive director of the Vandal Scholarship Fund, so uh, 
you know, you got to go back in history in 1947, uh, where a group of downtown businessmen created a organization called Vandal Boosters Incorporated. And, and this organization still exists today. Uh, the mission of the Vandal of Vandal Boosters through its membership program known as the Vandal Scholarship Fund is to fund all student athlete scholarships awarded by the Department of Athletics at the University of Idaho. So we, we have a national board of directors. Uh, Mike Mai of Coeur d'Alene is our current president. Scott Gibson of Caldwell is our president-elect. In addition to our national board, the, the Vandal Scholarship Fund has chapters across Idaho. Uh, we have a chapter in, in Western Washington, the Puget Sound area. So our, our staff staffs these chapters, uh, works hand in hand with them to raise dollars for the Vandal Scholarship Fund through special events like golf tournaments, dinners, weekly luncheons, uh, watch parties. Our staff also works with chapters to identify new potential donors. And as executive director, uh, my responsibility is to oversee all fronts of operations from staffing to volunteer management, uh, fundraising, governance, financials, like you would see any, uh, in any nonprofit organization. A lot of our listeners are going to know uh, the Vandal Scholarship Fund helps fund scholarships. Are there projects or tasks the VSF takes on that maybe your average fan or like our average listener doesn't see? Yeah, you bet. So you have to keep in mind uh, the Vandal Scholarship Fund, in essence, is the designated business name for Vandal Boosters, right? So any funds that go directly to the Vandal Scholarship Fund are only uh, used for athletic scholarships. It's, it's what we call donor intent. A, a donor makes a gift to the Vandal Scholarship Fund. Those funds can only use, be used for athletic scholarships, and you know, which entail tuition and fees, room and board, uh, books, uh, et cetera. So our, our development team uh, that I mentioned in the previous questions engaged and involved on various fronts to raise money for the athletic department. So from capital projects right now, the uh, Idaho Central Credit Union Arena to uh, sports specific needs to various initiatives coming forward. Uh, most like mostly the re most recent one we had was our feeling center. So uh, that's something that began last fall. Uh, maybe be might be something that's not uh, common to uh, many vandals, but in, in work in working with uh, student athletes exiting and, and, and uh, evaluating their experience at Idaho, one of the concepts we continuously hear, have heard over the years is uh, an issue of food. And it's not the quality of food, it's, it's the quantity of food. And you can only imagine how many calories a student athlete burns uh, in everyday uh, workouts, practices, games, et cetera. So we uh, developed a uh, location in our uh, athletic uh, department inside the Kippy Dome uh, that we have named the Fueling Center. And it's an opportunity for student athletes to come get a, a nutritional snack, get a beverage, uh, a nutritional beverage before workouts, after workouts, uh, before practice, after practice. So in essence, uh, if you have a morning workout at 6 a.m., and you get uh, done by 7.30, uh, maybe uh, you don't have time to go home or go back to the residence halls to get a bite to eat. You get a snack and kind of get through the morning because you're going right into class. Or after practice, you might be uh, at a point where you got to get to uh, hit, you know, study table or hit the books or a group project, et cetera, so you can get a snack before you head out. So that, that feeling center is available for all student athletes, those on scholarship and non-scholarship. So that's the type of initiative that uh, can come forward within our athletic department where resources are needed and, and funds are needed to, uh, to make it a reality. 
Um, so raising money for all athletic department priorities um, is the goal of our team and anything that requires private funding. And, and there's opportunities to give, uh, you know, annually, uh, opportunities to give uh, what the University of Idaho considers a major gift, which is at the 25,000 or plus level, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, opportunities to create an endowment where you can uh, fund a uh, project or a scholarship in perpetuity. Um, there's opportunities to uh, leave your legacy behind at the University of Idaho through an estate gift, uh, gift and kind contributions, either you know for one of our auctions or for a, a need within the uh, Kippy Dome or within the athletic department. So uh, you know those are just some things that our, our staff is focused on daily. In addition to uh, raising funds for the Vandal Scholarship Fund, which is our number one priority, our, our, our most uh, important uh, fund as far as a fixed cost goes. When it comes to fundraising for the VSF, you're reaching such a wide array of, of vandals from people that graduated back in the 40s, 50s to people that are recently graduating. So I guess how does it kind of the VSF outreach change when you're talking to different demographics in in particular, like when you're looking at alumni from the 80s and 90s with, you know, the Erickson, John L. Smith, Chris Tormey kind of years where we were on top, Don Monson, um, to kind of where we're at now where we're more in a rebuilding stage with, you know, what Aki and Petrino and um, Verlin and is all putting together in terms of moving Vandal Athletics forward. Do you have different approaches and how you – Talk to maybe a recent grad who maybe hasn't seen the Vandal success compared to someone from the 80s or 90s that's seen us be our very best. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And the best way to put it uh, to us, a Vandal is a Vandal. And, and the philosophy that that I personally have and, and I think uh, carries out through our staff, uh, especially on the development front, but it, throughout the department is uh, we treat all Vandals the same. So in saying that, you know, our approach does change based on when someone, or excuse me, our approach does not change uh, based on when someone attended the University of Idaho. However, what does change is maybe that level of comfort conversation that may differ. And, and what I mean by that, a donor or a prospective donor, let's say who uh, was there for Coach Erickson's first era, right? They might be more financially secured and, and have capacity uh, than someone, let's say, who their senior year and it was the year we went to uh, the, the last potato bowl with coach Petrino in 2016. Right. So the, the individual who was there during the Erickson Gilbertson, John L Smith era might be more secure, might be, uh, you know, with age, they've acquired uh, wealth, they've acquired capacity and they have the opportunity to share um, compared to someone who may be, may have been there with coach Aki or, or coach Petrino or during that, those eras. And, it might be they're just starting a family. It might be, you know, they got to pay for uh, things like braces and pay for Johnny's camps and, and, you know, everyday living that families have to go through daycare. So their disposable income might be uh, going towards uh, specific needs uh, that in their particular moment in life. So, so the stories do differ. The experiences uh, are different based on the individual. But, but, you know, I don't recall a time when someone said, you know, we're going to give you less because when I was in school, we only won one game that season, right? Or versus we won 10 games my senior year and I'm gonna add an extra zero before the decimal point to help you guys out, right? So, you know, no one's really shared 
hey, uh, let's not meet because when I was in school, we ran the Veer offense or, you know, we ran the West Coast offense. That just hasn't been expressed necessarily. So, you know, like I've been saying, it kind of all comes down to donors' uh, uh, capacity, prospects' capacity, matching their interests and their passions with our needs, you know, based on these relationships that we're, we uh, have and we continue to grow and, and new relationships we develop. Uh, you know, th there might be uh, at times where our staff might lean towards a, a specific uh, class or uh, era of, of uh, Vando athletics. You know, for example, Shelly was in school during the uh, Erickson and Gilbertson era. Um, I was in school during the Tormy era in, in, you know, the first year of Coach Cable. Um, Desmond played for uh, Coach Petrino. So we may gravitate more to those that we knew in school to determine if there is an interest to financially support athletics. Um, we may have gone to games with uh, individuals, you know, who, who we know had an interest as undergrads or in grad school as, as uh, uh, Vandal fans, but it, it's not intentional. Um, our location, our geographic area of focus, um, you know, may play a role. And it might be safe to say the Vandals who graduated, let's say in the 60s, 70s and 80s stayed closer to home remain, you know, in Idaho, Eastern Washington, Western Washington, in, in the Portland area. Perhaps the graduates of the 90s to current uh, have left the, the state, left the area just because opportunities are more easily identifiable at this time, you know, uh, Orange County, Denver, Bay Area come to mind. So, you know, while we do travel the state and the region and we visit with vandals who were in school from the time of, you know, going back to stories I hear about uh, D. Andrews in the 60s, you know, to those who are in school uh, when Coach Aiken now with Coach Petrino, that, that's just part of the uh, the opportunity to uh, hear their Vandal story and, and see if there's an opportunity for match up their interest. Uh, like I said, my, my first thing I said is it's a great job I have. I get to talk about Vandals all day, and it's, it's not uncommon to, uh, you know, have coffee with someone who was in school in the 70s and, and finish the evening uh, with dinner with someone who graduated, you know, in 2000. Uh, 10 time frame. So it, it, it's just one of those where you just uh, have those conversations and you see where it goes from there. We relate to that. That's why we started a podcast talking about the vandals. And, and you know, relating to what you, uh, what you were talking about with the VSF outreach, um, what kind of challenges has the department had in, as C. Scott Green put it, reclaiming the lost decade? You know, that's interesting. That that, uh, that question uh, kind of hits close to home. And, and uh, you know, full disclosure, when the announcement was made by by the previous administration to go to FCS, um, you know, my colleagues now in the alumni office, they'll be the first ones to tell you that I was either the first person or one of the first individuals to call and say, uh, I no longer wish to be associated with the University of Idaho. I, I personally, you know, at the time wasn't employed with the university. I had issues with the lack of communication with the donor, ba uh, donor base uh, prior to the decision and the way the decision was made, right? And so I too withheld my annual contribution. I too stopped going to ball games. I stopped wearing vandal clothing. Now, I, I guess, you know, how does someone like that go from that point to being on a po podcast uh, talking about vandals and, and, and working every day for the university? Um, you know, basically, my love for the university superseded the decision. You know, I met my wife in Moscow. Uh, I have two older sisters who uh, attended the University of Idaho. My father attended the University of Idaho. My best friends, it's who I am, right? The University of Idaho is a big part of who I am. And 
and, and you know, during an era there, uh, you know, in that last decade where us, us big, big kids, you know, the big kids who I call alumni, uh, were fighting, you know, which level should we be competing at? Should it be at the FBS? Should it be at the FCS? Should the athletic director be fired? Should the athletic director be retained? Uh, you know, do we uh, keep our president or should our president move on, right? So while we're having these uh, conversations as big kids, the one thing I finally realized was our student athletes kept going to work every day. They, they kept representing my alma mater, your alma mater, right? Um, not at one point did a student athlete wake up and say, gosh, you know, I don't like these uh, conversations taking place at a much higher level. I'm not going to give it all. And, and that's what this is all about. It's about the students, right? And so some questions I had asked myself, Brian, and, and, and I ask uh, individuals all the time when we have this, this type of conversation, right, is, is three simple questions. One is, if I could do it all over again, would I? Right. If, if you could snap your finger, Brian, and say, Mahmoud, you are 18 years old. You are a freshman at the University of Idaho. Would you do it again? And, and the answer is absolutely yes. And, and I'll share with you, 99.9% .9 of uh, alumni I visited with have, have given me a positive response. One guy in Portland told me no. Right. So and, and, and I'll never forget that because uh, it's just powerful uh, of that transformational experience we all enjoyed while going to school. The second question is, do I regret receiving a degree from the University of Idaho? And 100% have said, we do not regret it. We're appreciative of it. It has opened many doors for me. It's allowed me to be a professional. It's allowed me to be a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother, right? So that degree has helped them in the long run. And so the final question, and it's a question I had asked myself is, uh, why am I not contributing? Why am I not helping that, that special place in, in Moscow, Idaho? So when I started uh, last March, uh, you know, I wrote out a list of 23 people that I knew had stopped giving like I did. And, and I'm proud to say, you know, we've, we've recaptured 19 of those 23. And, and there's many others still on the sidelines. And so, some of the reason uh, that we hear is, you know, well, uh, we don't like the personnel on the field or we don't like the coaching staff or we don't agree with a certain decision. And, and by being on the sideline, you know, vandal to vandal, all I can say is we're hurting our student athletes, right? We're, we're not hurting an individual like myself. We're not hurting personnel. We're not hurting administrators. We're hurting our students. And the, the students we have uh, on campus are the same ones that walk the same campus we walked you know, they eat in the same restaurants that we ate at in Moscow or maybe a different restaurants there now that used to be at a location we frequented. Um, they're developing the same type of mem memorable experiences I uh, obtained and the lifelong friendships, you know. So the, the University of Idaho is, is a special place. There's no question about it. The fan base is passionate. So, you know, can you say are there successes? Absolutely. Uh, I'm one of them. The, the 19 of the 23, I, I mentioned that we were able to, to get back on board, but we still have a lot of work to do, right? So you, you look at uh, the our uh, University of Idaho Alumni Association says we have 109,000 graduates. Well, when you take all of our alumni, 1.6% of our graduates currently make a gift to Vandal Athletics, right? Less than 2,000 of our graduates. And that includes the Vandal Scholarship Fund. That includes other priorities that are mentioned when it comes to sports-specific fund, helping us with special initiatives, right? So we got a lot of work to do as a staff to get out there and share our story. 
and the work you guys are doing is helping us tremendously and, and we can't thank you enough because the more folks we can touch uh the more people we hope to get on board uh, you know we, we've been fortunate as vandals to be uh, affluent and successful and and uh blessed with, with uh, treasure and, and our student athletes need all of us to uh, step up and help them at this time, plain and simple. I like how you said that because I resonate very similar as you. Um, when the announcement came out, I remember watching the live stream being very upset as well. And then same kind of thing. It obviously turned around to now we're doing a weekly podcast and um, there's still stuff that I agree or disagree with, but it did come down to the fact that I love the University of Idaho and the time I spent there, and it does kind of supersede a lot of it. But some positive things that it are going on at the university, one of which is after decades, we finally have got a basketball arena that is, you know, no past shoveling the ground. It's I watched the the live stream of it. You know, we've got concrete pillars up. It looks like it's making solid progress, but. Um, so, you know, if you have time, I really want to talk about the ICCU arena just as a whole. But then, you know, one of the things I know is that it was coming up a little short on the fundraising goal. And according to the website, it could just be it hasn't been updated. Um, you know, it was going to be about $51 million to complete. Uh, $43 million of that has been raised. And I don't know if, you know, I know ICCU arena put a major contribution into that, which is how they got the naming rights. And has the rest of it kind of been funded through donations? Or is it something where you're going to, like, like a bond method or where are we on the fundraising of that? And then just elaborate to people who aren't aware of it, I guess on all that we expect out of it and why it is such an important project for the university. Yeah. So the ICC arena is, is, uh, is huge for us. And as you mentioned, Chris, um, it, it's been on, on the books. It's been a, a plan for, for multiple decades and um, going back to the seventies and I imagine every basketball coach we've had, men and women, has probably shared with every recruit, we're going to be building a new arena, right? And uh, I just hope they didn't share with them when that arena would be built. Uh, Orlando Lightfoot, who I consider to be, uh, you know, the greatest uh, of all time for men's basketball, uh, he and I still keep in touch. And, and Orlando was in uh, Boise last May for the Ada County Vandal Scramble. And I, I was showing him some of the uh, the pictures at the time, you know, the uh, the drawings and, and the plan for the arena. And uh, he was just floored. And I asked Orlando, I said, hey, you know, when you were getting recruited, were you promised arena? And he said, yeah, Coach Eustace, you told me that, you know, we're going to have arena. And he had a diagram in his office. And so w when we have that uh, official opening, we got to bring every basketball coach back uh, from uh, the mid-70s on. And if there's some from previous times, just because – uh, we finally have been able to uh, fulfill their uh, their their promise to those recruits and, and to those that, uh, you know, they shared with that we're going to have an arena. So last June, we had the groundbreaking ceremony. Uh, we are fully on track, uh, on schedule to open in the fall of 2021. Um, right now on on, uh, on our plans on paper, it looks like it's going to be sometime during the month of September 2021. Uh, and that's uh, as of... Uh, the last week of April, so a, a extremely recent report that, that shares that's our timeline and, and we are fully uh, fully move, moving forward even with uh, everything that's going on in the world. Uh, construction workers are considered essential and as you mentioned, the website does, uh, you know, the ICC Arena website does have a camera and uh, folks can watch 
live action of our construction team out there and, and the trucks and the heavy machinery and you know they're they're pouring concrete uh, they got the bowl for the uh, seating and and so good things are happening but you, you know some of the challenges we have right now our basketball teams uh, men's and women's and you can you know throw in uh, women's volleyball they basically have three facilities to utilize for for practice and in, in, in my opinion it's more like 2.5 because one of them is the Cowan Spectrum, and, and usually that comes on board uh, right around the holidays for, for men's and women's basketball. So we have Memorial Gym, we have the Physical Education Building, uh, and Cowan Spectrum. Those are the three facilities, the 2.5 I mentioned. But those are also shared facilities with a, a various amount of groups on campus, right? You have academic classes in there. You have ROTC, Campus Rec, uh, Intramurals. And then you have uh, special events uh, in uh, the Kibbe Dome, which turns into the Cowan Spectrum, right? You have commencement, and then you have jazz festival. So if you ever, uh, during season, walk by uh, our coaches' offices on their door is, you know, we are having practice today at 4.30 in PEB, and, and, and basically the practices are such where as soon as practice is over, either we got the next team coming in or we got the next class or we have the next, uh, it, you know, uh, entity, if that's campus rec through intramurals, et cetera. So our inability to allow for our student athletes to have a standalone practice facility where they can stay longer after practice. Uh, they have a break in between classes, maybe over the weekend, they wanted to go shoot some hoops. We just don't have that. And that's what the ICC arena is going to be able to provide. So I say uh, we're finally going to be able to give our men's and basketball programs the, the tools and resources they need, kind of a, a home away from home, away from home, so to speak, right? You got their, where they grew up, you got their home in Moscow, and this is their, their, their other home. So a practice facility, an area for studying, area for lounging, we'll have uh, uh, an area to uh, conduct uh, media interviews, uh, we'll have an area for them to uh, access treatment. And I really feel we're going to be able to recruit a different caliber of player, right? And, and the, there's proof in the pudding when you look at uh, institutions across the United States that have enhanced their uh, facilities. As soon as you enhance it, um, you know, you get a different type of student athlete that wants to come there. And I think you're starting to see that with some of the recruiting that Coach Newley's doing and some of the, the talent that he has brought on in the last year or two. And, and I know Coach Claus is out there, he and his team, and they're sharing that message of the arena and and are having success as well so the the, the venue will definitely strengthen recruiting there's no question about it but it's going to be a strength not only just for the student athletes but for the students as a whole uh the, the venue is going to be transformational right we, we we talk about how it's transfer, transformational for all students faculty staff university community uh members alumni you know folks are going to be able to rally around it and we see it as a multi-purpose facility, right? It's going to be awesome from an uh, entertainment front. Uh, we're going to be able to house concerts in there, uh, other sporting events, uh, comedy shows. You know, before we got on the call, I was watching, uh, since there's nothing on ESPN or Fox Sports that's live, you know, I was watching reruns of uh, WWE, right? There, there's no reason we can't bring something like that to uh, Moscow, Idaho. Uh, and then on the educational front, right, we're going to have uh, lectures, symposiums, uh, the student experience aspect, career fairs, internship fairs, orientation. So it, it's going to be a, a building that, that is going to be utilized by, by many, uh, not just athletics. 
it, it, it'll serve as a point of engagement for our alumni association, right? They, they have uh, been generous in, in uh, supporting it financially and it'll allow them to have a, uh, an area which we'll treat as a club room during uh, basketball games and special events, but a meeting place for them for, uh, you know, during the week time where you have a, a graduate of the university who hasn't been back to Moscow for years and just doesn't know where to turn or who to go to, you know, a one-stop shop where they can go in the arena, get a brochure, a cup of coffee, a cookie and, and uh, a campus tour and off and running, you know, we're getting them re-engaged with the university. So uh, from a fundraising aspect, yeah, we, we do need to raise more money. And uh, there are opportunities uh, for, for uh, individuals who, who, who like to contribute, you know, uh, you know, I like to uh, uh, say, you know, is your name a part of Vandal history? And the reason I say that is, you know, 1928 was when Memorial Gym was opened. And in the mid 70s, the Kippy Dome. And, and now in, you know, in the 2020, 2021 timeframe, we have a rare opportunity to, to open a new athletic facility and, and an opportunity for your name to be inside the building. Uh, and we have a campaign that we have had in place and we're gonna start uh, uh, sharing more publicly in, in a short timeframe, uh, get more folks involved. but. Uh, we have identified seating uh, in the arena where individuals can place their names. And uh, I'll share with you, uh, having your name inside a facility at the University of Idaho um, it, it is, is a special thing. And at times it, it takes a, a, a significant gift to make it happen. But, you know, these, these uh, seats are basically for a $5,000 contribution, $1,000 a year. Um, you know, roughly uh, 84 bucks a month. Uh, you know, you can have your name engraved on a seat. Uh, you'll have opportunities, uh, priority opportunity to purchase those seats, right? Uh, when the season opens up through season tickets and meeting the minimum Vandal scholarship fund contribution. But there's nothing cooler than being able to say, hey, uh, my name's in the new arena. Uh, great way to do, uh, remember a professor, a loved one, uh, your family, yourself, uh, just an opportunity to get involved. Giving uh, opportunities for naming, uh, you know, as low as $5,000, as I mentioned, $15,000 to have your name inside a locker. And then we have opportunities at the uh, 50,000 plus level. So um, this is a historic time and, and another opportunity for us to rally the Vandal fan base and, and get them involved in a significant project. Yeah, see, I, I love that you guys are doing that because I know um... – being out here in Seattle, uh, one of, of a Vandal alumni, um, his grandfather, I believe, donated some money to the Safeco Field. And so they have like a little brick thing in their center field with everybody that donated. I know every time we go to a game, he like, it's right in their beer garden. He'll push people to the side and be like, hold on, hold on, and take a picture with his grand, uh, grandfather's name. I know uh, my grandfather's name's on one of the steps in the business school. So I remember like when I've, first took my classes in the business school i was like walking up the stairs it's like right when you're going up to the admin level like stopping and finding it and it's i mean it's one of your it's one of those cool things like you said it's rare to have your name in something that's part of history that's going to be there for decades and it's something that maybe even if it's not just for you it's like my grandfather did that and i go out of my way to go find it and you know my buddy's grandfather donated to safeco and he goes out of his way to find it so it kind of carries through so i think that is a a cool idea because I know we have some um, in the podcast network. Uh, Montana State did something similar like that, where they have like a walkway with brick, 
of a bunch of alumni that gave to it or something. It was one of the schools, and I was like, that's such a cool way to get people to give because it is, it, it carries through than just, you know, donating. It, it makes you feel a little bit more tangibly a part of it, which I, I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing that. I think it's a really great idea. Well, thank you, Chris, and thanks for your uh, your story there. That's awesome, and, and many thanks to your family for for being a part of the Albertsons uh, College of Business and Economics. I got a quick follow-up. It, it just has to do with seating because we brought up seats. There's been uh, a decent amount of, let's just say, interest about the, the capacity of ICCU. Last I saw, standing room only is about 4,200. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. So I'm, I'm a fan of the new facility having a lower seating capacity than Cowan just because of the trends we've seen in attendance. I'm curious what, I mean, if what your take is on the number we landed on. Um, I don't know if you're comfortable with it. Do you wish it were different or are there certain variables that maybe we're not thinking about um, that just yeah, say, look, this is a number? You know, Brian, uh, I too have heard that from, from various folks and, and uh, there's some uh, individuals that think it needs to be much bigger. And, and it's one of those where I personally, right, this is Mahmoud as, as uh, a graduate of the University of Idaho, I personally have just come to the conclusion of it's been on the book since 1975. We just need something, right? And, and I'm excited for my alma mater that we're going to be able to uh, have a, a basketball venue and an area for uh, our students and our faculty and staff and our community members to to rally around. Um, 4,200, in my opinion, is, is a size that will work for the University of Idaho. Um, some of the folks that I've talked to who have said, no, we need a much larger, uh, you know, their uh, thinking goes back to the days of the 80s with Coach Munson and some of the success we had and the crowds we were getting at that time. Uh, I don't know if, if uh, 4,200 uh, will be, uh, you know, too small a venue once we get things cooking, right? And that'll be a different conversation at that time. Uh, you know, there's a school in Spokane, Washington that uh, built an arena with about 6,000 and uh, their uh, population base is much more than, than ours. And so uh, for them, it's working nicely because it it's comes down to supply and demand. And I'm hoping we get to that point of, uh, you know, there's 4,201 individuals that want to get in the, into the arena, but we only have 4,200 seats, right? So all of a sudden there's, there's a demand for it. At this time, there isn't a demand for it, and that's something that we're hoping once the uh, arena opens up, uh, we get folks more and more excited about it, and that they'll want to come to ball games. They'll want to uh, invest in season tickets uh, on the men's side and the women's side and, and uh, consistently attend uh, the games. The folks that are coming, uh, you know, they do a great job. They're, they're awesome. They cheer on our teams, and we're, we're fortunate to have them. Uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those questions, uh, Brian, that I do get, and, and – uh, until we open up and, and get things going, it'll be difficult to answer uh, is 4,200 too small or not. And then I'm kind of curious too on the terms of, is there been any talks? I mean, I know we're still 18 months away, but of something like what Washington State does with the field house before football and utilizing the facility before football games is kind of an alternate. I know, is that maybe where the fan zone moves into? Or I mean, is that even a discussion that's being had? Yeah, so we're having uh, multiple conversations right now, um, and, and those are uh, still in the uh, brainstorming stages, and uh, opportunity right now is for us to see uh, 
you know, some of our peers that just opened up uh, new facilities, Portland State recently did so. So we've been able to uh, take a look at how they uh, configured their uh, price points, their donation points, you know, concessions, uh, you know, what they're doing for pregame pageantry, postgame pageantry. So th those conversations are taking place internally, but just uh, haven't been defined uh, fully. But we'll be ready once that arena opens to have those out outlined and, and we'll obviously make sure to educate with the masses before uh, we, we open the doors. And I guess, you know, circling, this is going to encompass facilities a little bit, but it's a separate direction. Um, your average fan or our average listener, um, what they know about the athletic department is they know about hirings, they know about firings, and they know about facilities. Uh, what's some of the behind the scenes work uh, that you do that might surprise listeners or might be of like particular interest to fans that if you're not involved in athletic administration, there's just no reason for you to know about. Yeah, another great question. You guys are asking some awesome questions and uh, I'm glad we're, we're uh, able to address them. Um, you know, I, I have a saying that I, I've utilized uh, in my previous life when I worked in college athletics and, 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 and that I'm utilizing now. And that's uh, our, our number one goal is to ensure our student athletes uh, leave Moscow with a degree in one hand and, and civic pride in the other. And, and that's why I do what I do. It's all about the student athlete. It's all about making sure they are successful, uh, not only, you know, in competition, but in the classroom, in the community. And, and we want them to be competitive, right? We want them to be competitive today, uh, tomorrow, wherever that life takes them. We always want them to be competitive and successful. So when, you, when you're working um, with 18 to 23-year-olds, uh, we're, we're laying a foundation, so to speak, so they can be productive members of society, right? On Saturday, uh, you know, in the fall, a, a traditional fan may see 11 players versus 11 players. But lost in that notion and that translation could be that those 11 on offense and 11 on defense are students and they're students first. And so uh, our academic support um, is something that a lot of work goes into from the moment, um, you know, where we uh, have signed a, a student athlete or, you know, considering to sign a student athlete, right? There's, there's uh, work behind the scenes to ensure that they're uh, meet eligibility from an NCAA standpoint, uh, meeting the minimums. Our, our current student athlete, right, making sure they're meeting the minimums when it comes to uh, grades based on, uh, or meeting eligibility based on grades and based on uh, progress towards degree. Um, you know, you have our, our transfer eligibility, right? A, a junior college student athlete coming to a four-year school or a, a, a four-year uh, participant or participant of four-year school who's transferring to the University of Idaho another four-year school right there so there's transfer eligibility issues there uh, going from the junior college level to uh, the four-year school level there's other eligibility issues there so our, our student athlete support services uh, department our athletic compliance department uh, work hand in hand with our office of uh, registrar on campus to make sure that we're meeting all those eligibility eligibility requirements, um, you know, and, and our student athletes uh, uh, are, are not always able to make it to class due to competition. So, for example, our women's basketball team this uh, last season had a couple of uh, windows where they were on the road for, you know, eight to 10 school days. Uh, men's basketball had uh, a period where 
if I call, recall correctly, they played at Portland State on a Saturday. Monday, they played at Sacramento State. That Thursday, they were in Bozeman playing Montana State. And that Saturday, they were in Missoula playing uh, the Grizzlies. And, and so coordinating efforts with professors, ensuring uh, study time on trips, getting assignments turned in from the road, proctoring your exams, right? We put a lot of resources towards academic support. In all honesty, we have a limited staff. Uh, our, our staff is just uh, three full-time individuals and, and eight part-time uh, uh, academic support uh, individuals who, who mostly do tutoring. And, and so for us to uh, be able to say that uh, with three full-time staff members, uh, you know, we, we had a cumulative GPA this past fall of 3.15, um, 12, I believe it's 12 consecutive semesters of a three-point or more. Uh, that, that's a story we love sharing because, you know, our, our student athletes are succeeding in the classroom and they are working towards that degree. Uh, you know, another thing that fans may not uh, know of or, or, or have experienced, uh, we have a student athlete advisory council. Uh, we have co-presidents right now, uh, Casey Bruce from the soccer team and Lindsay Klinkler from women's basketball. And, and that council does a lot of great things uh, speaking up on, on student athletes behalf, but they do a lot of great things in the community. So to, to give you an idea, this, the, uh, from the start of the school year in August um, through the end of February, so kind of a six-month uh, time frame, um, you know, our student athletes were out there in the community and, and probably had close to 900 hours of community service, right? Uh, we had uh, just a little under 100 student athletes uh, participating in the Dome this last October where we held a uh, trick-and-treat for the uh, uh, community members of Moscow, our, our, our little vandals. Uh, our women's uh, swimming and diving team, um, you know, did a food drive during a men's basketball game to help uh, those uh, with food insecurities around the Moscow area. Um, we had a football player, this is a great story, we had a football player who took the initiative on his own and organized a Toys for Tots drive around the holidays. And, and we had over 50 of our uh, football players basically participated, wrapped gifts, uh, deliver gifts to uh, families around the Palouse, right? Our, our men's golf team um, has actively uh, engaged with the elementary school in Moscow, and, and uh, they have a program where uh, uh, they walk uh, walk to school as a title of the program, and it's the entire team out there, and they're, they're showcasing the importance of safety when kids are walking to school, uh, wellness, socialization, and, and our team had so much fun, they went back in the winter and, and had hot chocolate with those kids and, you know, gave them high fives and kind of served as great role models. So our student athletes in the community are, are awesome role models. And for someone who grew up in Moscow, I, I can share with you, uh, you know, as a, as a kid at Lena Wimmer Elementary School and someone who moved up to Moscow Junior High and Moscow High, I looked up to those Vandal athletes, right? So it, it's awesome to see that legacy continue. Um, let me think of a couple other things because, you know, we do a lot of great things. Uh, you, you know, another uh, initiative we have, uh, the acronym is CHAMP. Uh, caring for the health of athletes through motivation and preparation. So caring for the health of athletes through motivation and preparation. So CHAMP is a, uh, a program that's uh, uh, held in conjunction with various partners on campus, uh, twice a semester at a minimum, all department employees, including coaches, administrators, and staff, uh, and our, all of our 300 plus student athletes. Uh, we get together and we have a three to four hour session with breakouts. Uh, in the fall, we covered uh, sexual assault awareness and prevention. Uh, you know, we, we talked about what does a healthy relationship look like. In the spring, 
we uh, covered mental health and nutrition. And so, you know, you have a conversation with the fellow teammate, how can you help them? Or you're feeling stressed out because you're in competition and you're trying to take care of things academically and maybe something's going on at home. And so you're just at that point of frustration, you know, so providing uh, student athletes with tools and resources that they can take advantage of on campus. So CHAMPS is a, is a great opportunity for us to share just life skills and teach life skills. Um, I think the biggest component is that the average fan may not realize how much athletics is integrated with campus and the amount of collaboration and synergy that takes place uh, amongst camp campus partners. Uh, you know, we, we get together uh, for a senior leadership team at least once a week and multiple, multiple campus partners, um, you know, off the top of my head, the Dean of Students, the Office of the President, Parking Services, uh, Event Support Services, Residence Life, Financial Aid, Office Alumni Relations, Risk Management, Contract and Purchasing Services, right, Registrar's Office I mentioned earlier, Campus Security, Sodexo, right, so the list goes on and on. So we, we interact daily with colleagues across campus and across the state and and, and no decisions are made in a vacuum and, and our work requires involvement, support and commitment from uh, various uh, individuals uh, on campus and then throughout the community. Um, you know, hopefully those are some of the things, Brian, you think the, the fans listening would be uh, interested in, uh, you know, if there's other areas that, that you think of, I'd be more than happy to expand on them. I actually do have one really quick one. I, I've heard a couple of people and I've read a couple of people be concerned um, and it's not, not that they need to be, it's that large numbers of transfers can theoretically negatively impact your academic progress rating. Is that, is that correct? Or is that just people talking? Transfers coming in or transfers going out? It'd be more transfers coming out in the sense that like, you know, when, uh, Ver when Verlin was fired, there were transfers before he was fired, then there were more transfers after, which just created a very, essentially almost the entire team turned over that summer. Is right. when you have large numbers of transfers like that, if it's repeated, does that, does that potentially impact the academic progress rating? Because we ran into that with Aiki too, I think, right? Where we had transfers out and it cost us some APR ratings or something. Yeah, so so the, uh, the, the NC2A, that does have a requirement, uh, academic performance rating is, you know, APR. And in essence, you get uh, each semester, you get one point if uh, you, you retain a student athlete and one point for uh, uh, eligibility. And so in essence, you can get four points uh, an academic year. And, and then they have a cutoff that's uh, based on a, a number, a uh, percentage, let's say, with, with the rolling average. So when, once uh, you start a, a cohort of, of folks to, uh, you know, the placement of moving forward through graduation. So, you, you know, we keep close tabs on it and, and it's something that is a concern of ours. And, and that's where our student athlete uh, uh, academics, uh, you know, support, uh, support services comes in and, and our compliance officer and working with the registrar to make sure that we are doing as good of a job. Uh, I'll, I'll share with you the transfer uh, portal has exploded um, and more so now with COVID-19 and so that's something that all schools are going to have to keep close tabs on just because um, you know student athletes are having conversations with mom and dad saying I don't want you going too far or maybe it's time to move 
Uh, you have uh, coaches that uh, maybe, uh, you know, from the high school level, the AAU level, having the conversation since those student athletes are, are back home. Um, but we are doing everything we can to make sure we're meeting APR and, and we're retaining and uh, uh, recruiting uh, quality student athletes. All right. We got, we got uh, great coaches out there doing it uh, every day and they're doing so even uh, during these trying times. Yeah. And, and this kind of flows perfectly into kind of what we want to talk about next because, and I understand it's totally a fluid situation and we're getting new news on it every day, but COVID-19 has kind of taken the world by storm. And in terms of, not just your role specifically in trying to get fundraising in a time like this, but as far as the university, how does it kind of affect? Cause we're, we're, what we want to kind of get to is like, how does the planning work for the university, like the athletic department in terms of like a five year, 10 year, does something like this, how much does it really impact your planning where a, we don't know if there will be a football season and how, how is the athletic department kind of tackling this situation to the you know best of their ability? First and foremost, uh, to, to all the folks listening to this podcast, you know, we, we're sending good thoughts to the Vandal family and hopefully everyone's safe and sound. And, uh, you know, the situation we're in, uh, there's, there's no precedence for it, right? Uh, I remember uh, Thursday morning of the Big Sky Basketball Tournament when I got the uh, uh, phone call saying that the uh, tournament has been officially canceled. And, and we went into a uh, mode of making sure we got everyone home safe and, and sound and our, our uh, men's tennis team was en route to a match. Right. And we had to get them back home. And so uh, immediately, you know, the NC2A canceled March Madness and the, and the conference canceled spring sports and the NC2A canceled spring sports. And so um, things moved real fast. Right. And uh, the University of Idaho, just like uh, uh, almost every uh, institution of higher learning out there, went to uh, online education. Right. So for the first thing we had to do is we had to make sure that our student athletes had what they needed to finish the semester right? This was the new normal for them and uh, not all of them returned to Moscow. And so just things like you and I probably had to ensure when we, uh, you know, if we were asked to work from home, uh, do you have adequate internet, right? Do you have an adequate laptop or computer or service device? Uh, you know, do you have a, a space to, uh, to study? Are, are you uh, keeping up with your classes? Are you keeping up with your schoolwork? So early on, um, you know, our senior woman administrator and associate athletic director for student athlete support services, Krista Gray, her and her team did a phenomenal job of just, just making sure that from an academic standpoint, our student athletes had what they needed. Uh, and then the NC2A and the conference began setting up parameters and those continue to evolve even today on the recruitment front, on the financial aid side, uh, you know, instruction opportunities with your coaches, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Uh, your, your opportunities to engage and, and uh, uh, with your strength and conditioning staff, your, your sports performance staff. So, um, you know, the NCAA manual is already large and it's just getting larger uh, because of uh, emergency legislation or, or language that is bringing everything into the forefront with COVID-19. But I'll share with you, COVID-19 also brought something I think that the average fan, maybe, you know, kind of going to your question before, uh, the average fan may not realize how athletic departments are governed and, and the multiple entities with oversight. So you have the NC2A, uh, you have your conferences, in our case, the Big Sky Conference and our swimming and diving uh, program is housed in the Western Athletic Conference. You, you have the governing boards for, for each respective school. You have elected leaders, right, at the state and local level. You have university administration. So 
unlike the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball, right, where you have one commissioner or, or multiple owners having a vote, right, that's not the case in intercollegiate athletics. So um, it, it's one of those that we are continuously monitoring uh, and having conversations uh, with uh, our, the Big Sky Conference, the Western Athletic Conference, having conferences or having conversations at the NC2A level uh, with with the you know, folks at the state level, our, our local leaders, and obviously at the university administration level, and it's it's extremely fluid. But but it, it was also an opportunity for our development efforts to to expand. And 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 I'll share with you, engagement was key for us uh, early on, uh, from a development standpoint. Right, we we were able to utilize our coaches and our senior administrators and our athletic development team early on, uh, contacting donors. Uh, we we placed phone calls, emails, text messages. Uh, handwritten notes, you know, just just checking on our our fellow vandals, making sure them they're doing well and their families are doing well. And, and next, uh, you know, we gauged our donors and our fans through social media, and, and I know uh, Tubbs at the club was awesome in either retweeting or, or sharing or liking our post. You know, we we have uh, had uh, various fan quizzes out there. We we uh, were fortunate to have uh, some prominent former student athletes do some PSA announcements. Um, we have an initiative uh, where we're vandalizing education where you can go online and get, uh, you know, word searches or, or, or pictures of, uh, of an athlete and you can color them, right? More, more focused towards uh, maybe your, your preschooler, kindergartner, first grader, second grader type deal. But uh, out outreach was extensive for us. And, and now you're starting to see some stuff uh, through viral solicitation, extending our reach through the globe, uh, you know, via Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, individual efforts, right, right, that we're doing as on our own and strategic collective efforts to kind of share some of those current financial challenges we're facing. So the reality is uh, COVID-19 uh, did did bring financial challenges and continues to do so. Um, our inability to uh, showcase the University of Idaho on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament in Spokane, right, where we're going to be the official host, uh, there's financial losses there for, for the athletic department. Uh, the, the revenue distributed from the NC2A to the conference, since there wasn't a, a, a true tournament in the television dollars, right? That's going to be much less. So there's a financial loss of revenue for the department. Uh, so th those two factors hurt us. Uh, we also have a cancellation or vandal scholarship fund chapter events, right? Postponement of those events or some of our events are still put on hold. And so uh, that'll be another $75,000 loss uh, in our annual fundraising efforts right there so and of course we got the reality of what's going on in, in everyday homes um, you know unemployment filings are skyrocketing businesses are being closed due to executive order and some of them are not you know uh, are able to come back or will come back uh, we're starting to hear terminology such as furloughs and pay cuts uh, more often uh, than before when we're visiting with individuals and and obviously the financial market as a whole. So it, it's hindered us in the momentum we had. Uh, you know, our fiscal year starts July 1 through June 30th. Um, you know, we had success in the first three quarters. And, it, you know, at this time, uh, we just don't know, no, we don't know what the fourth quarter has, uh, has in store for us. But uh, our efforts have gone from face-to-face -face contacts to more so of, you know, what I'm saying, voice-to-voice, -voice, print print-to-print, digital-digital. Right, but we, we are proceeding with, with the mindset and, and this starts at the top with President Scott Green and Athletic Director Terry Golick. We're, we're proceeding with the mindset that our, our student athletes will, will be back on campus. 
sometime this summer. Um, the university has already announced the delayed university commencement starting on or, or being held on August 1st. Um, the university fully intends to have, uh, you know, orientation and, and fraternity and sorority rush and university convocation, all those things that have been traditional to the Vandal family. And, and our plan as, as a university is uh, have in-person classes in the fall and football. And, and that's what we're, we're focused on. And that's how we're operating right now. And then, so one smooth transition to one that's just not very smooth. I know one of the, like the envies of, I mean, honestly, the entire big sky and uh, like any kind of peer institute of the University of Idaho would be uh, Montana State is, has a very public 30-year athletic plan where they have every project, every goal laid out like that. For everyone to see, uh, they have their own page on it. They have a video on it. Um, and it didn't seem that when, at least when Dr. Spear was in office, uh, if there was one, it wasn't very public or explained other than you know trying to get a basketball arena. I'm with Terry in office now, is, has there been any movement and, and is there a 30 year plan type of deal or is it just maybe five ten? And but what is the university's athletic department kind of looking to in the future? Yeah, so when uh, President Green came on board, you know, he laid his vision and he asked all of us, uh, those in athletics, our alumni, our, our entire university community to, to rally around three priorities and, and I'm sure you have heard of them, and I'm sure your 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 listeners have. But if they haven't, you know, student success is is one of them, and, and ensuring that you know we, we're providing tools and resources to our student body. Uh, we're uh, giving them financial assistance so they can attend the University of Idaho, and, and we continuously provide a a, a world class education. Uh, you know, the second priority for President Green is research. Uh, we are a research leader in our state, and, and he would like for us to expand upon that. And and the third, and you guys are are, are following this to a T, and, and our leaders in this is to to share our story, right? Uh, the University of Idaho is Idaho's uh, well, I like to say constitutionally mandated land grant institution. And you know, if I can quote my friend, uh, uh, our former interim interim president Don Burnett, you know, dare I say, state flagship university. Right. So we, we have an awesome story to share. Uh, President's uh, leadership and, and, and uh, philanthropic dollars we've gotten from donors has allowed for the university to expand on TV, print, uh, billboard, grassroots, uh, digital. Right. We're, we're spreading the vandal cheer and, 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 and sharing our story, not only from a uh, recruitment standpoint of new students, but also to reengage our alumni base. So athletics has embraced those those three priorities uh, of President Green, student success, research, and sharing our Vano story. And, and uh, you know, since Terry Gallick arrived in September, she she has uh, wanted to make sure that we're at the forefront and we're out there sharing those those same three priorities. There is no bigger champion of athletics than Scott Green, and, and I saw that firsthand prior to his uh, becoming president of our our university when he was a donor. Uh, I'm seeing it now uh, with both of us uh, employed by the University of Idaho, and I know we'll continue to see it, uh, you know, moving forward and him supporting athletics to the best, best of his abilities. Uh, if you ever get the chance, uh, every once in a while, I'll see a glimpse of President Green. You know, he becomes a fan of football games. He loves football. And so every once in a while, you get the occasional moan or that, that comment under his breath about a uh, decision maybe a referee made. So it, it's just cool to see that. He's, he's a Vandal Scholarship Fund member. 
and, and engage with us uh, in all aspects. As far as a concrete plan for athletics, um, you know, at, at this point, most of our work entails a one-year plan with futuristic thinking. And, you know, what we do today might affect how we do our work in three to five, 10 years, or what our decision today, you know, how does it benefit the student athletes that are gonna be here in, you know, three, 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and then, you know, with our efforts today, how do we maximize those opportunities in the future? Um, I'll, I'll share with you that one of the things I think we continue to have to remind one, one of our, each of ourselves and remind uh, those we're visiting with, um, President Green's only been on the job since July, right? And it's a less than a year. So he's definitely gone above and beyond in his first nine months and uh, has had unexpected matters arise. But as alumni, we need to continue to rally around President Green and give him time to implement his vision for our university, right? Terry Gollick's been with us since September. Um, and, and her team, uh, including yours truly, hasn't been long, uh, hasn't been at Idaho very long. Um, you know, outside of Tim Mooney, who, who came on board in 2008, and, and our business manager, Tom Zimmer, who came across uh, campus to the athletic department in the mid-2010s, um, the remaining of our uh, administrative staff or administrative team has been there less than two years. So Sean McElwraith, who's our department's administrative coordinator, joined the staff in July of 18. Uh, Krista Gray, who I mentioned earlier, came on board in October of 18. Uh, our director of athletic training services, Chris Walsh, was promoted within and, and replaced uh, the legendary uh, Barry Steele. And he started in spring of 19, about the same time I started my second stint. Uh, Mike Jackson, director of ticket operations, started, uh, I want to say, uh, you know, sometime June, July of 2019. Uh, our, our compliance, uh, associate athletic director for compliance, Heath Sonor, started in August of 19. Um, and Marty Northcroft, our assistant AD for marketing fan engagement, started around that, that same time as Keith. Uh, Joe St. Pierre, who is our director of athletic communication, he's he's been on our uh, on the team and within the department for a handful of years, but he's only been in his role since October. So uh, a lot of new faces, right? And, and just like any team, uh, you need that time to get acquainted, time to gel. And a big portion of our team came on board at the time where wow, it's the busiest time of the year, right? New school year, we have football, we go into basketball, we go into holidays, and so forth, so forth. So. While new at Idaho or in new positions, at Idaho, we are fortunate to have Tim and Tom's institutional knowledge, and and we do have a wealth of experience from other schools and, and other industries that we can bring to the, uh, the forefront. So it's an extremely talented team, um, and it's a talent. It's a team with connections across the industry. Uh, the area I oversee, uh, athletic development, uh, we are working on a plan right now that was recently shared with our National Vandal Scholarship Fund board. Uh, we presented it recently to our athletic department senior leadership team and something we're going to start rolling out in May and June and, and implement beginning of July. Love to go into more details about it. But we haven't had a chance to share with our coaches yet. So as soon as our coaches have a chance to see it, we'll, our head coaches in particular, we'll make sure to, uh, to get it out there. Uh, but, you know, I say all this because, yes, we want to get a plan going. And, and yes, there are things in motion. But with Terry coming on board in, in, in uh, September, busy time, the time of year where we thought we'd be able to sit down and have some of these strategic conversations, now we're having via Zoom, we're having via email, we're having via text messages. So 
uh, I want to assure the Vandal family, we've got a talented group. Uh, good things will happen. Uh, plans will be developed and, and shared. Uh, we just we just need a little time right now. With, with what you talked about, sounds like the, the situation really has changed. So at least some of the short-term priorities you'd have relating to that for in, in the future, for whenever we're able to have a season with more average attendance protocols, what kind of work or planning has the athletic department done to try and boost attendance? Um, I know for us, obviously football attendance is a concern um, uh, and like everyone in the world, the more the better. Um, also, and relating to women's basketball too, where they've just been good for a long time and you'd love to see more people there. So uh, the various channels of communication are diverse, right? So we, we fully take advantage of social media, uh, TV, print, billboards, um, you know, our, our govandals.com, uh, radio stations throughout Idaho and Eastern Washington, uh, mailing, mailings, word of mouth. Uh, I guess we can add podcasts to the list now too, right? So uh, there, there's work within the department begins as soon as the holidays are over to start planning for football and as soon as the summer begins to start planning for basketball and it's, it's coordinated effort internally and, and with our campus partners. One of the things that that we've created is uh, tickets either individual tickets or season tickets uh, with various price points to meet uh, an individual or family budget. Um, we, we are offering mini game packs available to those who might be traveling from a distance or those who have limited weekends so they can attend, uh, creating some family friendly plans so uh, families can attend and, and you know, included in your price submission is not only ticket to the game, but also a, a voucher for uh, concessions. So, you know, team effort as far as uh, uh, putting a plan together, but you know, we need to get to a place where our fans are purchasing tickets whether we're having a good season or a bad season and the schools that are able to maintain a competitive advantage in fundraising and revenue generation have a fan base that understands that we need them to be part of the solution. And if we have the mentality of we'll wait until his team starts winning or until we have uh, new coaches or new players, um, you know, that doesn't get us to where we need to be. And the student athletes are the ones affected by, by this sort of uh, mindset. Um, you know, as far as attendance goes and getting more folks in the dome, uh, making the game day pageantry a little more exciting. Uh, we are working right now with our partners at IMG Learfield to have a more robust uh, attendance reward program through a, a Vandal game day app. And, and the goal is to work with the Moscow Chamber of Commerce and other partners to uh, motivate students, alumni, and the general fan base to attend games and, and visit local businesses uh, if they're visiting from out of town or if they're local uh, uh, on football weekends. Um, tr traditional weekends uh, will, will remain a part of our of our fall uh, schedule with uh, military appreciation, homecoming, leadership weekend, uh, the revised parents weekend. Um, this year we're also going to have uh, a Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, it, every two years we induct a new Hall of Fame class so that'll take place this fall. Uh, I'll share with you that Marty Northcroft, our, our director of marketing fan engagement, uh, you know, he, he came on board, as I mentioned, in August, and immediately he, at the start of the football season, he came in and implemented some new ideas. And, and Marty's now had that kind of almost a full year under his belt. He's engaged 
individuals such as the superintendent uh, of the Moscow School District. He's working with uh, area youth football leagues uh, to, to get them involved and engaged in coming to ball games. Uh, you know, GoVandals.com is scheduled in the near future for rebrand. rebrand. So uh, having a rebranding will hopefully allow for uh, more reader friendliness and, and better branding on our part. Uh, you know, season tickets uh, sales were launched on, on uh, May 4th. Our, our renewal campaign uh, ended on May 1st. So uh, fans will hopefully start seeing more of that come out. And so uh, involving our students, um, Marty and Athletic Director Terry Golick had a joint visit with leadership from ASUI, Panhellenic, IFC, Residence Hall Association here recently. It was coordinated by Carson Tester, our leader within ASUI. He and uh, the outgoing ASUI president, Jacob Lockhart, gave guidance throughout the year. And, and uh, we're, we're now going to be moving forward, engaging the uh, newly elected ASUI leaders, uh, Lauren Carlson and Joseph Garrett. So. Um, having the students involved and sh sharing with us what, what gets them excited and why they attend games is extremely important. Uh, from a faculty and staff standpoint, um, you know, every game we had last fall, uh, Terry always ensured that at least one faculty member and their uh, guests were in her suite for football. And, and it's her, her way of uh, ensuring that we, we bridge athletics and academics together. Um, under Coach Petrino's uh, leadership and his idea. We recognized faculty last year by uh, having our football players invite their favorite professors to a game. Uh, professors had the opportunity to be on the field pregame to see that, that student that they see maybe on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday in class and, and see what they go through for uh, pregame preparation. So, um, you know, doing little things too, you know, it's not uncommon for me to tap someone on the shoulder. Maybe, maybe I'll do it to you, Brian or Chris and say, you know, come on the field, w watch it watch the action from the field, uh, something that we don't always get a chance to do. And I'll tell you, once you watch uh, and experience that, uh, you'll never question how hard our coaches are working, our student athletes are working, just because you see the the, the uh, blood, sweat, and tears at that time. And uh, President Green and, and, and Athletic Director Gallup, you know, have uh, walked around the parking lot uh, this last season welcoming fans. And they, they walked to almost every section of uh, the, the, the Vandal Scholarship Fund parking lot and, and uh, in our general mission parking as well. So uh, making sure folks know they're appreciative and, and hearing what their ideas are and, and uh, letting them know that they're, the leadership's out there and wants to get feedback from them. And, and, and lastly, you know, another little thing is just having, uh, uh, you know, some of our, our fans are getting to a point where they may not be able to walk up the hill to the dome or, or walk from their car all the way to the front doors. And so uh, last season we got our student alumni relations board involved and, and uh, had them drive golf carts and pick up fans and take them to uh, the dome doors. So but those are some of the things we're trying. Uh, obviously we're, we're always interested in receiving feedback, input from uh, fans, uh, always welcome. You know, the only caveat is, uh, you know, we, we have uh, limited staff. Marty is kind of a one-man band and, and a limited budget, so we can't always promise we'll adopt an idea or, or a plan, but feedback's appreciated. We're always willing to listen, always willing to uh, improve upon our product. Yeah, we, and we can vouch for uh, Gallic walking around the parking lot. We did a, uh, a fan kind of meet-and-greet tailgate at Eastern last year, and she's, we were in VSF Lot 3, and she – showed up and we're like, Oh, this is planned. So it's true. We, we saw her out there making the rounds and I know as a fan, I appreciated that. 
That's cool to see. And I, the game day app, that's funny you brought that up because I just downloaded that yesterday and had no idea that like it was something that just recently came out. I was like, how do I not know about this? And I've actually been fiddling around with it the last couple of days, just you know, poking in the thing, seeing the ads and uh, all the stuff that's going on. So that was, that's cool to see. Keep, keep poking away. Let us know what you think because uh, we, we want to release that here soon, and, and we'd love to get your uh, your thoughts before uh, we go public with it. Yeah. Um, and I have one real quick follow-up relating to our last topic. Um, this is just for the real specific situation we're in uh, where there may it's unclear whether some fans who want to be able to go to games who are like, you know, a sensitive population will be able to. Um, I, I'm one of those people. Let's say one of those people like me, it, we get to when the season starts and I just say like, look, I just, it is not smart for me and my family for me to go to a football game. Would you rather have that fan if they're wanting to still support the university? Would you rather have that fan buy their season tickets anyway, maybe give them away or just make a straight donation? You know, uh, that goes back to uh, it, what we call donor intent, Brian. So it's, it's whatever route you choose. We're, we're just excited that uh, you would still commit to uh, supporting your, your beloved Vandals. And uh, you know, if that's a, a contribution directly to uh, the Vandal scholarship fund or to one of our other priorities, uh, we would love that if that's uh, purchasing season tickets and, you know, either you give them to uh, friends or family members who, who are more, more uh, comfortable in, in making the trip or, you know, if you if you don't know anyone, uh, just donating them back to the athletic department and us finding a a uh, elementary school kid in Moscow and maybe their folks. Uh, you know, one of the cool things we can do is is uh, find a uh, elementary school principal or teacher and say, you know, here's some extra tickets donated by one of our alums, and and uh, why don't you give them to someone who maybe not be able to uh, afford a ticket to a game, or maybe, you know, someone's done great uh, in school here of late, or someone did a uh, a great deed for a fellow classmate. It could be a reward system. So, Brian, we, we just want you to know, uh, moving forward, any way you can help the university uh, through season tickets, donations, and or we just tremendously uh, appreciate and we, we know you're invested, so thank you. The hot topic in the state right now, the State Board of Education's move to, how we read it at least, having athletic departments now, universities having the decision on beer and alcohol sales at general sporting events. I know this is something that's just recently kind of come to light, and I'm sure it's a very fluid situation for you guys. But kind of what are – I mean, obviously, you think there'd be – it could help. We covered it last week, um, how we think it would help bring people maybe into the Dome or keep them from going to the parking lot at halftime and then not returning, which seems to be an issue. I guess where is the athletic department – for what you're able to share on it, because I'm sure things change every day. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's uh, relatively new. And like I said earlier, we work with so many campus, campus partners, and a decision like this, uh, this one, are not made in a vacuum. And uh, various units on campus are, are still working out the details on how the new ruling impacts the university community. Uh, a recommendation will be made to uh, to the president's office, and, and and President Green will have that final decision. Uh, from athletic department perspective, you know, of course, fan safety and well-being is our is our number one concern, and uh, we're we're fortunate to have a good number of schools in the Big Sky, 
in the region, uh, various schools at the FCS level that have gone through the process of, of adopting such policy. And we're, you know, if we're able to proceed, we'll be relying on them to determine best practices and, and how they went about making those decisions. Uh, it's one that uh, we, we want to make sure we're kind of benchmarking uh, what's working for others and, and try to implement those at Idaho if we are able to proceed. If listeners only take one thing away from the interview today, what, what would you like listeners to know? You know, I, I think I, I had some common themes that uh, hopefully uh, came out in, in our conversation. Uh, one is uh, athletics does not work in a vacuum, right? I, I've said that a few times and, and multiple partners are at the table ensuring that we have success for all of our student athletes. You know, uh, I know you only asked for one takeaway, Brian, but I think a, another takeaway is uh, we, we got a talented team of leaders with, with President Green and Athletic Director Golick, and they're, they're, they're new to their roles, right? Expectations are high, and, and uh, I am fully confident as, a, as, as an employee of the University of Idaho, but more importantly, as a, as a graduate of the University of Idaho and a contributor to the University of Idaho, good things will come right? We, we just need to be patient. And, you know, th if there's one thing I can share that, uh, that I want uh, listeners to, to uh, take away is donors are the backbone uh, of our athletic department enterprise, right? Without them, our student athletes don't have those resources to be successful. And so uh, we need more donors. We, we need more season ticket holders. Uh, the Vandal family is special. We have a history of tradition, pride and excellence. Uh, you know, I said earlier, I'll say again, we have a well-educated affluent alumni base and we need people to get involved. And, 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 and let me just share some, uh, so, some data with you that I, that I pulled up earlier because I think it's important to share. And, and I know this is a long conversation and hopefully we haven't put any listeners asleep and hopefully you guys are doing okay. So I, I apologize. I know you only asked me to talk about one, but I think it's important to share Less money given through private support means the more money we need to take out of the athletic department's operational budget to cover scholarships, right? Scholarships are a fixed cost. Every time the State Board of Education uh, increases tuition and fees, athletic department costs go up, right? So I'm probably the only person happy um, that the state board has decided uh, with working with the uh, university presidents across the state to keep tuition and fees uh, constant for the upcoming academic year. But a, a traditional scholarship is basically $18,330 per year. And that includes uh, $8,700 roughly for room, uh, for, excuse me, for tuition and fees, uh, close to $9,000 for room and board uh, books, $800 on average and last year summer school was around $1,300 per student athlete. So that's just for one student athlete. We have the equivalent of 185 full scholarships uh, at the University of Idaho. So you multiply that by the $18,330, you have a total scholarship bill of 3.64 million. And, and that's money that's reinvested right back into the university, right back into Moscow and to Latow County. And so the biggest misconception out there, and the one thing I want folks to take away is that student athletes go to school for free. Um, and as, as the two of you know, and I imagine many of your listeners know, but something we got to keep on talking with, uh, with our fellow Vandals is while our student athletes earn their scholarship, there's no question about it. There, there is a financial burden to cover those scholarships through philanthropic gifts. And if philanthropic gifts don't come through, 
then other athletic department revenue sources cover those gifts. So the, the last thing I'll share with, with, the, uh, with your audience today, uh, my fellow vandals, you know, if, if you uh, are, have the means to, to give $100 to your alma mater, please do so. If you have the means to give more, please do so. I, I hope this conversation has uh, engaged you further and, and has hopefully inspired you to get involved and, and uh, become a part of uh, uh, our donor family. All right. Well, obviously, we want to thank you for coming on. But uh, before we let you go, uh, we've had you on the hot seat for this whole time. We do a segment on here called Getting Iced, or maybe it's called Getting Tuckied. We've, we've got to decide what we're calling this. But uh, we are going to give you an opportunity to ask Brian and I uh, a question off the cuff, unprepared. It can be about anything you want. It can be about Vandal Athletics or sports in general, or it can be something personal but you get uh to ask us any question you want and we'll answer it um with no preparation oh that that's great uh, okay give me a second to think about this okay so obviously uh, we're living in the world of COVID-19 and you know most states have uh the stay-at-home orders right so uh, I've been with my family since mid-March uh 22 23 hours a day so kind of a uh, let's throw out a fun question out there uh, having to stay home with your family, significant loved ones, roommates, or on your own, right? Take that out of the equation. So my question would be, if you had to choose one Idaho Vandal coach or player, current or past, to stay at home with during COVID-19, who would it be and why? (laughs) Brian, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Oh, man, I'll go. Uh, To me, this is is a slam dunk, which is why I want to take it first. I'm hanging with Dennis Erickson. First, he had – he had that pro career, so I know I can bank on him to pay for all the carryout. Yeah. But second, um, you know, he was the coach. Uh, he was a coach in the, the really good years Then he had at the time coming back. I feel like he'd be one of the guys who would be easiest to, to get, like, you know, your fun hot take on the, all the coaches that came in between his first stint and his last stint. Plus, you know, you could watch a lot of uh, not E60s, but the uh, the ESPN documentaries on the U. I mean, that gives you something to get a whole different, yeah. you know, behind the scenes story about the making of the U. Um, gosh, for me, that's hard. There's a lot of vandals I've I've loved. I guess probably one of my favorites of all time is Jeff Ledbetter. Um, just when I was a student, he was the first athlete I kind of got to meet um, randomly out and about, and so. You know, I had a conversation with him, and uh, I just loved the way he played basketball. Kind of, I don't want to say the arrogance, but the the confidence. And um, I really resonated with him. He's part of the reason. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but during those years, that's what really made me shift into Vandal basketball and being interested was I, I really enjoyed you know watching Jeff Ledbetter. And um, I've kind of followed him a bit, and he started some, like, camps he does with kids, and he's played a little bit professionally down in Brazil and I believe Australia. So um, it'd be fun. And he seems like uh, from the two or three times I've met him, uh, always good guys. So I guess that, or then the cop-out answer would obviously be Alex Boatman. He's just right down the street, friend of the pod. <laughs> so uh, most likely Alex Boatman, but uh, dream would probably be Jeff Ledbetter. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Mahmoud, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, that's Mahmoud Sheikh, uh, the Associate Athletic Director for Development um, and Director of the Vandal Scholarship Fund. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I know our listeners have had tons of questions. If, we, if your if question wasn't asked, 
We had a lot of them. We tried to tune these into the best of our ability to encompass as many as possible. Hopefully, this is something where in the future we can we can have more conversations like this with uh, yourself and others in the athletic department because uh, the whole goal of this, which I think uh, we've covered with our listeners, is you got to let the past go. Um, we've got you covered a lot of new leaders in with great ideas, and uh, hopefully this helps you guys out because we want uh, the university to get like Green, uh, C. Scott Green said, reclaim the lost decade and get back to where we were and where a lot of, I think, our listeners and you would agree where we should be. So thank you for uh, joining us, and uh, yeah, let us know if there's anything we can ever do to help you guys out. Hey, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Brian, and, and appreciate the awesome work that you guys do. And, you know, uh, if your question wasn't answered, uh, please give me a call, right? Uh, uh, you can go to GoVandals.com and uh, get all my contact information. You can go on there and uh, click on the link, support the Vandals to get more information on, uh, uh, in particular, the Vandal Scholarship Fund. And, and if we've inspired you and, and you're, you're someone that would like to get in, involved and engaged, uh, pretty simple. It's uh, uidaho.edu backslash give BSF, and you can make a contribution. You can set up a monthly uh, plan if that works better for your budget. But we got to rally the troops. We need to get more Vandals involved. And I uh, want to thank you for your time and, and, and with the Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Uh, long interview. We, we said that before it started, but I think we covered a lot. I, I kind of want to know just your some of your bigger takeaways or things that might have surprised you from, from the interview because I, I found it super helpful. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, Mahmood gave us a pretty technocratic look at the inside of an athletic department. So like, there's just a ton of things he talked about uh, in particular. It's clear to me that, you know, like, like mom said, a ton of the work they've put in right now is it's just not the sexy hiring, firing facilities. It's um, strengthening the athletic department from the perspective of students using the athletic department. um, And then, uh, you know, continuing to try to strengthen fundraising, which that just doesn't, it doesn't land the way the way you know headline for firing a coach might land, but I mean I, I know I felt comfortable after hearing him talk a lot about what the department's doing um, to stabilize because you know at present you know we talk about basketball you can man there's only so much enthusiasm you can generate when the team's not winning a ton of games so you know the fact that we're able to you know, be continuing with the facility improvement. Um, you talked about the, was it the freeding or feeding center mm-hmm. um, for athletes that, you know, so that has a specific need. I mean, the champions, the champion center in Montana has a dietary component to it too. You know, so it's good to hear that, you know, we're, we're kind of bringing our, our version of that as we can. It's not going to look the same. It's probably going to be piece by piece in different facilities. Um, but I guess, yeah, here, here in the actual things the department's doing, that the average poster on all vandals just shouldn't know about because they're not ad members uh that was my favorite part it was it was cool to yeah really get to peel back some of the layers and i feel like like i said we covered so much from potential alcohol sales moving forward in the kibbe dome even though you know that was obviously something my mood couldn't touch on much just because i mean it's only like what nine days old but um from having a 10 year plan, but actually for them right now, it's just a one year plan with, you know, how do we continue it? Cause 
I mean, we've talked on it multiple times. Something we we're extremely jealous of, which I brought up, is that like Montana State has a thirty-year plan. So it's actually here that is stuff that they're aware of, and it might not be that they have the Montana State plan, but obviously Montana State's a different. They're in a bigger market than we are, and they've been in the Big Sky for years. And uh, it, it was cool seeing stuff like that. I loved hearing the ICCU. Obviously, we spent a lot of time on it, but it's because they're for something that was so big. I feel like it has been rather undercovered. Um, so it was cool to get this once again, see a little bit more why, I mean, we all kind of assume this is why they chose 4,200, but really here are the thought process that went into it and some of the fundraising efforts that they're going to be launching to do it and something creative. Cause we've brought up like, why not allow people to put their names on things? You know, they have, it's just until they can finalize stuff, they're not going to bring it up. So it was really cool to kind of see everything that kind of goes on behind the scenes, which was our, our whole purpose of the interview was really try to be a buffer and explain what what is going on because obviously the athletic department can't tell us everything and some of the messages they don't know that people want to know so um, it was nice to be able to talk what is happening with ICCU what is our five-year plan you know what are some of the fundraising challenges that have happened with you know the way that stuff had it was really cool to hear his answer I mean it made sense the instant he said it well we've always talked about like what are donations down it must be harder to get it and he's straight up just well, you know, would you exchange your time at the University of Idaho? Because most people wouldn't. So that's what we're targeting to. It's not you're a vandal in the good days or you're a vandal in the bad days. You're a vandal. And it should mean as much to you monetarily when we're good as it does when we're bad. And I was like, you know what? That is the most simple answer, but it makes total sense to me. Um, so I, I took a lot of it. I know we actually spent oh, quite a bit of time with him after, and I spent some time with him before while you were joining the call. And, um, Super nice, very informative. If anybody else runs into Mahmoud in Moscow or Boise, um, I'm, it sounds like uh, he told us that he actually got text today saying good luck with your interview. So um, there is some crossover there. Um, so hopefully you guys think we did a good job. I hope we answered as many questions for you guys as possible. Um, we, we really tried, but obviously we, we're not professional journalists. We've never done this before. So uh, if you're like, man, you guys just threw up a bunch of softballs, which I, I don't think we did. But remember, we're new to this. We're learning after our first time interviewing people um, was Big Sky Media Days last year. And we've talked offline how after doing it, we'd have a better idea of what we want to do this year. Fingers crossed it happens, right? Um, but same kind of thing. This is our first real inflow with the athletic department. And um, it was nice to kind of see – but we thought Mahmoud, when we covered it last week, have answers to everything because of his title. And then you learn that like the titles are a little more loose, and he does really have answers for just about everything. So um, we probably could have deep dived him more, but we had we already went over our time commitment. So um, you know he was nice and offered to come back on again in the fall or set up some stuff for us. So uh, you know if you guys like this, once again, plug to the survey. Let us know this was an interview you enjoyed because uh, I really enjoyed talking to him and. and uh, I think we literally just scratched the surface of, you know, what we could talk about. But that's all I really no, got. Unless you got anything else. Uh, yeah. Well, there's there's something that I think you'll actually want to jump back in on. Um, for first, just to to, buff, to buttress what you said, um, I know from my end, we've seen examples of entities within the athletic department hashtag haters gonna hate having an antagonistic attitude towards non-members. So going into this, it's not like I thought that was Mahmoud. 
but it was in the back of my head of like, okay, well, look, it's really easy to have positive media relationships when you're winning a bunch of championships. Um, so that's not where Idaho's been. So like, I just didn't know what kind of, let's say, potential antagonism he would expect from us or we could expect for him. Um, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how open he was uh, with the things he talked about, which just means in my mind, you know, next time he's on, that we can probably uh, relax about the thing we try to not talk about. Um, but relating to that, um, Chris, I thought it was great. Even though I'm a guy who's happy we're in the big sky, I thought it was great to hear Mahmoud say his reaction to the FBS drop because I think he, I think it'll be good for listeners um, to hear that there are people within the athletic department who had the exact same reaction they did, but they're still supportive. Yeah, I agreed. And like I said, I resonated with that as well because I was the same way. I was mad. I remember go, leaving work, like watching it on my phone with a bunch of obviously living in Seattle, you dub people who are just like that. Maybe I might've been the more annoying part of like, Oh, aren't you guys D2 already? And well, one, we're not even going D2. And no, we weren't D2 already. Um, but yeah, same thing. I was like, this is stupid. Like, cause obviously I've covered it multiple times on here. Like my decision was between Washington state and Idaho. And I chose Idaho cause I thought they're on the up and up athletically mm-hmm. in 09. Obviously things have changed Mike Leach, but we'll see where it's at. But you know, I was like, God, maybe, but, you know, hearing it, once again, would I change my experience at Idaho for anything? No. If I 18-year-old Chris was asked to make a decision again, would he choose Idaho? Yeah, 100%. I, I hope so because I don't think I would be who I am if I didn't go to Idaho. Um, and then same thing, I, I end up starting a podcast. So at the time, I'm talking about being like, I'm just going to start rooting for the Cougs, pretending like I went to Wazoo, and yet time settles, and I realize how much Moscow meant to me and made it back to a game, and I'm like, Sean Kramer, I want to start a podcast for Tubbs of the Club. What are your thoughts, right? So, you know, we started this in probably the hardest time to start it. The first season was the first season in the FCS. You know, in a way, I viewed it as a very unique opportunity to kind of start as an FCS program. And what, at the time, I thought was something unique. I didn't think a lot of FCS programs would have a podcast thing, a kind of relationship. And obviously we've discovered and helped co-found the Big Sky Podcast Network, and that's proven to be incorrect. And there are quite a few, but there's still not – I mean, there's still not a ton. Uh, We're one of the rare ones, and we're probably one of the leading ones at this level. So um, it it is good, and we're doing everything to empower it. But I agree. It's so crazy to think that we are where we are as as Tubbs at the club and us personally as Vandal fans. Um, Speaking of – I know you were excited about it, but I was not. I was like Mahmoud and one of the people that was very down on the future prospects of the university after that. And yet here we are weekly talking Idaho Vandals. Yeah, and you know, the thing he said too, it, it's helpful, I think, for other listeners. Let's skip the FBS, FCS thing just for a second. I don't need to talk about the dead horse for everyone to know exactly what I mean when I say the dead horse. And I don't need to explain how bringing that up makes people think of frustrations they have with the program about, you know, the last two years. And what Mamu said is to me the right thing, which is, you know, let's pretend he wasn't talking to FBS, FCS for a second. Let's say he was talking to people who were upset about, quarterback situation the last two years his response still rings true of look man if you 
if you spite the program, you hurt players. If you want the program to get better, it has to be funded. So if you want the financial flexibility for that to even be a question, you gotta fund you gotta fund the program, no matter how upset you are with the coach or not. It's not the coach you're hurting. It's contracts guaranteed, which are hurting your players who might not have facility upgrades they need. They might not have as much coaching staffs as they could otherwise if you don't get the money. But the, the person you think you're being frustrated about, whether it's you know thinking you're pro protesting the president back in the Staben days, or you think you're protesting, you know, a coach or whatever, those guys are fine. It's players who get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there was so much, like we said, afterwards, he was totally like, yeah, I know we went over everything like that. So anything else you want to ask me, you know, feel free to ask. And, you know, we took deep dives in a lot of the stuff we asked, which is why I think it will be beneficial to try to get him on again. Um, just because there are so many topics and we try to breeze through them as quick. And obviously some people are like quick, you know, yeah, like a two hour long podcast, but, um, yeah, I don't, there's so much more to be provided. And obviously it'll leak out through us is like at, at, from now knowing more about each subject as we continue on episodes, but, um, some stuff that I think people would have really benefited from hearing more on certain subjects instead of just trying to give like as quick of an answer as possible while still being in depth, but then moving on to try to cover a bunch of people's questions, really spending like one, you know, time on one of those questions and dialing in. Cause you could just tell my mood was interested in everything we're asking. And if we would have let him and didn't have a you know list of questions we want to get through, um, you know, he would have spent more time with us, but, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be a vandal. Um, Hell yeah. so hopefully our goal with this was obviously guys, you can't hold the current administration responsible. Cause I had a conversation with my dad before all this went on about like, you know, what our goal of this was. And I explained it to him and then he still kind of tried to revert back to like, Oh, well, you know, like I'm really struggling with it because like everything they've done, I've been against and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, you also got to realize that wasn't Terry Gallick. That wasn't, you know, my mood. That wasn't uh, C Scott green. And then he goes, yeah, you know, actually I, I knew C Scott green in college. He's a great guy. I think he's the right guy for the job. And I really like everything I've heard about, you know, um, the new athletic director. And I'm like, see, so like you got to shift your mind past, what Scott Green said the last decade because those people are gone. Staben is gone. Uh, Nellis is gone. Spear is gone. So it's it, it's time to move forward, and that, that was kind of our goal. So sorry if people think we're trying to, like, put rosy glasses on, you know, a pig, but the goal is, like, we want to get back to where we were, and there's a bit of a cultural issue, I think, that just people need to overcome and realize just be proud of your university, and everything else will hopefully come and follow, and trust the people that are in control and know it's easy to feel burned because you're like well why would i trust them they burned me before these people did not burn you it's new and i think my mood did a great job of covering like they have a lot of new people with a lot of great ideas give them time like i said it hasn't even been a full calendar year so that's my biggest Mm -hmm. takeaway that i got from it it's just which was my goal of this whole thing so i'm glad it hopefully came across everybody is just turn the page we're trying to turn the page. We've talked about it. We're not bringing up the dead horse anymore. Like, turn the page. It's a new decade. Hopefully, it's a new decade of dominance. Um, and we can become, as uh, Kate and Ellis said, the, the bullies of the big sky. Um, but there's so much more going on than just what we talked about. Ironically, you know, um, 
the alumni or office of alumni relations has been just knocking it out of the park recently. I don't know if you've had an, a, a chance to look at any of these, but if you really enjoyed our content like this, um, they're doing a cup of Joe segment, Vandal conversations, May 12th from four to five Pacific time, uh, where Kathy Bernard, who's the head of the alumni association is going to be sitting down with C Scott green. I think it's like their second or third cup of Joe conversation. They did a Vandal virtual wine tasting, and they have a Vandal like alumni relations wine club now. They did a partnered up Trivia Tuesday with the Corner Club, which uh, Brian and I missed because we were recording on Tuesdays. But Mahmoud was actually on it. He said, and uh, they had people from back in the '60s all the way up to like you know current students on it. So it's cool like that. Plus they're doing Thirsty Thursdays. um, there's a vandal cooking class. I'm actually in the one tomorrow with Keely Garrity, who's the owner of Ampersand Oil and Vinegar Tap House in Moscow and Lewiston. So if any of you guys are on that, uh, I guess it would be yesterday when you hear it. So hopefully you're on it and uh, yours turned out as good as mine. But these are all things that you're like, I would love to be a part of. You can be. Just sign up with the Office of Alumni Relations or they're on Twitter. And I don't know. I, I'm so happy with everything going on. Uh, with the university right now. And I think it is a great time to be a vandal and we're really putting our best foot forward to try to create a new image and almost a new brand. It feels like I, I love it. Yeah, dude, I'm with you hundred percent on there. Um, just seeing, seeing the list of all the things you can do, you know, I'm curious from the athletic, from the university perspective, whether obviously you wish these were in-person things, but whether the organization for them is actually a little bit simpler than you'd guess when everything is done via zoom because mm-hmm. you just send out the zoom you just make sure people have access to the week to be able to show up i'm curious whether that's one of those things where it's like an an accent an advantage amidst disadvantage yeah no i don't care hold on one second so for the cooking one, I'm talking about, so they had to send me a box of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like that's the logistics going into this, and like it came with a bunch of stickers, a pennant, like all the oils and stuff I need for the cooking class. Like, look at that. Like they put some oh, serious yeah. love and effort into these things. I was like, opened it up expecting just like the ingredients, and then there's a bunch of flyers and cookbooks and other things and how to find the restaurant, and I was like. They're putting it so I just hope the what thing they need to do. These are great, and I keep telling people like, "Oh yeah, I can't do that Wednesday. I'm doing a vandal cooking class." And they're like, "Oh, how'd you hear about that?" And I keep telling my friends, "Well, I do that." It's like, "Did you know they have a wine, like a wine group?" No, sign up for it. And so like I've personally told a bunch of my friends about now the Office of Alumni Relations and all the events they're doing. It's like mm-hmm. now ca- capitalize on this, please. Obviously, I think some people will be listening because we have a mood on, but you're doing a really good job right now. Capitalize on it when all this stuff is over. Find a way to make sure people are still doing this because I don't recall anything like this when people weren't stuck to Zoom meetings and stuff. So find a way to capitalize on it because it's been so cool to like connect with vandals that you've never met from different generations through these kinds of things. So hopefully it helps bring people can take this into real life when life continues a bit. And it doesn't just die with hopefully the virus shortly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, we don't really have too much more to cover. Um, I guess some housekeeping stuff. Um, it, it's some of you guys have been with us since day one and 
thank you. And some of you haven't. So we usually take a break um, for June and we kick back up the first Thursday after 4th of July. Because in my mind, that's always when you shift the football. Um, so Brian and I have three more episodes, I believe, after this one. Uh, we're hoping to have Colton Clark on one more time for the year. He's uh, our most requested guest even though we've had him on like three times but we love talking to him so we don't mind but he is the most loved guest we've had on so try to give him one more time for you guys this year um we had some other stuff we we're going to cover today that we're going to push to next week um but yeah so we're ending here in three weeks so if you have anything you want us to talk about let us know um, otherwise the podcast will be starting back up in july uh, and obviously anything breaks in june we'll be there and cover it but um uh, yeah, so that's kind of it. Uh, oh, the big one. The last podcast of the year. Per request, some of you reached out to us. We are going to be doing on May 28th a live podcast. We've been testing YouTube live and everything. Some of you have noticed. Some of you probably haven't. We will be doing our airing of grievances of FCS versus FBS. So if you're interested, I know Buck Cowan reached out the first time. We'll try to follow up with the people that all reached up. We'd love to ha try to set up a way for people to call in, maybe get like a five-minute back and forth with us and then we'll move on to another one and kind of something like that uh we're figuring out the details but may 28th i know it was originally supposed to be at the spring game we are going to do it because some people brought up i think you should still do it and i think this episode was a great way maybe this will go down in the tubs of the club archive history of like the actual official we turn the page forward like let's we heard what's planned why to believe in them let's dirty laundry gone and then when we start the 2020 um, podcast season in July it's all no holds barred we're forward from here so I, I do think it's good to do I think people wanted to have it they requested it so we'll be doing it if you're interested in partaking in it DM myself or Brian or the tubs of the club account um, but yeah we want to make it a bit of an event obviously it won't be as fun as live um, at like the corner club during spring game but I, I think it's something that people still care about and um, it's the last podcast from us until July, so hopefully uh, it draws some interest. But uh, if you have any other topics you want to cover, you got three weeks to get it. Well, I guess two weeks to get it in because we're just doing FCS, FBS for the last week. So um, let us know. Hashtag STATCs. Um, once again, solid plug to our survey because it's we want to hear from you guys on what we could do better, what you love, because we want to make sure this is catering to what you guys want that's the whole purpose of it so as we kind of wrap up our version of i guess the school year you know it's kind of like signing signing your guys's yearbooks so uh before we write hags um yeah let us know what you guys want to hear but anyways brian that's all i've got uh let the people know how they can find you or anything you want to plug that i might have missed you can always find me on twitter at brian marceau that's m-a-r-c-e-a-u and only thing i'm going to plug is if you if you have been looking for new content, the Big Sky Podcast Network has been taking care of you. Grizz fan keeps releasing. East, Eastern Washington uh, Eagles Power Hour keeps releasing. We keep releasing. So yeah. you know we're doing work while we can. Just imagine how much more fun it's going to be once we know for sure we're moving forward. Yeah, and things are pointing that way, but it's all fluid as the country reopens. We'll know. Um, we've covered COVID enough for probably this yep. podcast lifetime. But uh, yeah, we want to thank, like you said, I, I said it before the interview and I wanted to just say it again. We want to thank you guys, the listeners, because, um, I mean, last year, this time of year, obviously we weren't doing weekly podcasts, but uh, our basketball numbers were down. And I can safely say we've, like, tripled our basketball basketball season numbers this year. So 
hopefully I, it's also our listeners are just increased in general. So we just want to thank you guys for hanging in there. Hopefully, especially in this time of uncertainty, we've provided some bit of like normalcy and entertainment for you guys without live sports. I mean, I'm impressed. This is the year we tried to commit to doing this and we have no sports to really cover. I know we were really banking on March madness to talk about, and then we had to find other stuff to do. So, um, let us know, uh, any suggestions, please go to the survey. Cause uh, you know, come June 1st, we're probably going to take it offline. Cause that's when we're going to start trying to put all those things in motion. And we're looking at every single answer. Hopefully my audio levels are better. It's all anonymous. So whoever said that I saw it, and we're reading it. Yeah. Thank you guys. But yeah, I think it's time for the best band in all the land. The sound of Idaho to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. <laughs>